Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Just because a character is based on a real person doesn't make them believable or interesting. It's much more important for your story to work than it is for it to be true. Today on Writer Unleashed, we'll explore five ways to transform real people into memorable fictional characters. Stay tuned. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Panuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. The first story I submitted to my very first semester MFA workshop was based on the relationship between a teenager and her father. And Douglas Glover, one of our workshop leaders, said something that to this day I've never forgotten. He said, the father is an asshole. And inside I thought, wait a minute, that's my father you're talking about. Now, this hurt me to the core, obviously. It's bad enough when any of your characters is called an asshole by the teacher you admire, but this wasn't just a character. He had just insulted my father and by extension, me. Now, I was not trying to portray my father as an asshole. That was not my intent. But in all fairness to Doug, who was fighting for my story, he was right. Because although I was basing my character on my real father, I was still creating a cliche, a stereotype, a character with no depth, no contradictions. And that's because I didn't know what my father's internal life was, and I didn't even think to imagine my way into his internal life. I was shackled but by what I did know about my father. So here's the problem with basing characters on real people. Writing what we know limits us because it only presents a certain set of actions or circumstances or characteristics that satisfy that limited scope. We don't know people as much as we think we do even the people we're most intimate with. We definitely have a limited take on our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, even our kids. 
We take so much at face value, but that doesn't work in a story. Story, by definition, is about transformation. So as writers, our job is not simply to give us a photocopy of the people we're basing characters on, but to transform them. There's got to be something we learn about people during the writing process, and the reader goes on that journey along with us. Fiction is not biography. Being realistic is not the same as being believable. And even if that person is a certain type, a stay-at-home mom, a bachelor, a plumber, a career criminal, that doesn't mean you write them as type. You can't give us what we'd expect. You want to thwart our expectations. So here are five tips I've put into practice since my teacher called my father an asshole. Number one. Imagine your way into what you don't know about this person. We have to imagine our way into what we can't see, what we don't know about the real people in our lives. So much of us remains hidden. Hemingway famously called this the iceberg effect, the concept that two-thirds of any character is submerged beneath the surface of the water. It's the part of us that's mysterious because it's unseen. And that's what you want to explore in all your characters, whether they're partially invented, a direct representation, or invented out of whole cloth. Human nature is vast territory. Philip Graham, who wrote a beautiful essay on this topic, said this, There is only a tiny portion of us that is available to others in any daily face-to-face contact. That tiny sliver is the present moment, and behind it are all the years of your experience and the multitude of your thoughts and all the stories of your life. So much of us remains inaccessible. That's why we invented storytelling. So our job when we're basing characters on real people is to show what's inaccessible. That means you need to use your imagination. Number two, find the thing that you find most intriguing about this person. What is it about this person that you find fascinating, that made you want to base a character on them. This is probably a central ingredient you want to keep in your story or even shape the story around. So maybe the most intriguing thing about Uncle Nick for you was that he always had lots of cash, was around while other men his age were at work, and he drove the latest Cadillac. And one day when you were let's say 11, he came into your kitchen with a suitcase, opened it up on the kitchen table to show this galaxy of jewelry, diamonds and amethyst and pearls. And he told you and your mother to pick out whatever you wanted before he sold it all. Now, you knew Uncle Nick wasn't in the jewelry business, but you didn't ask where he got it. You just picked out the corkscrew diamond earrings 
in a ring with a diamond-chipped heart that doubled as a necklace if you put a gold chain through it. Then one day, 10 years later, while you're uh, kissing your date in Penn Station right before your train comes, you come home and you realize that you lost one of those corkscrew earrings in Penn Station while you were kissing your date. And by this time, Uncle Nick had already been in federal prison for two years. But Uncle Nick is still a stereotype. He's still what we'd expect, right? But we'll try to give him a little more depth later. But for now, explore what you find most intriguing about this person and write about it, riff on it, open it up, make associations. Don't try to control what comes up, just trust it. Number three, create composite characters. Make one character into a composite of many. Mix and match. This not only gives you more range to work with, it's helpful so that if the real person reads your story, they don't recognize themselves. So if your Uncle Nick is still alive and you think he might read your story and feel betrayed and offended, then you might feel conflicted about writing about him or it might inhibit you're writing. Now, my father wasn't alive at the time I wrote the story where I unintentionally stereotyped him. But because my impulse at the time was to fictionalize anyway, I did mix some things up. I changed him from being the owner of Future Video to a composer of TV commercial jingles. He dressed more like the cardiologist I was seeing at the time rather than in the Beau Brummel suits that he often wore. But my internal impetus was that I was writing about my father. Now, that didn't keep him from being a one-dimensional stereotype, and I'll get to that in a minute, but it helped me feel more freedom in the writing process. Making character composites is also a great way to omit extraneous characters. Just because someone was there doesn't mean they belong in this particular story. So instead of having all four cousins in the story, maybe you mix and match and create one cousin as a composite. Every character you include must serve your story. They have to torque the action in a different direction or have some relationship of opposition to your main character's goals. But what if you don't want to write a composite? What if you're writing memoir or you're writing a novel and you're bravely writing about a family member without transforming or disguising them? The question is, how do you think they'll react if or when they read your story? Would they recognize themselves in the story? Would they feel violated? Are you comfortable with that or are you uncomfortable? Now, most people don't recognize themselves in a work of fiction unless you're blatantly writing about them using their real names and situations that they'd recognize. Brett Lott did that in his novel, Jewel, and when members of his family confronted him, he said, I was writing a novel. So that's a choice for you to make. And of course, if you're writing a memoir, you're exposing people completely. So you may want to get their permission first before you give yourself permission to write about them. But I have to say that writing something worthwhile always involves risk and discomfort. And sometimes it unsettles your reader. And that's a good thing. 
you can't please everyone and write at the same time. It should make you uncomfortable to write it. Otherwise, the risk is that you'll write something that's ultimately limited and boring. Whether you create a composite or not, the one thing you don't want to sacrifice is the part of the story that's true for you. That is non-negotiable. Nobody owns the truth. We all own a piece of it. Number four, find the right details. Again, doesn't matter if your character is partially imagined, wholly imagined, or a direct representation of someone you know. The only thing that matters is that the reader believes in him or her. Just because something's true or a character is realistic doesn't make him or her believable or interesting. What makes a person on the page interesting and believable are the details. The more sensory you are on the page, the more images you create. Readers respond to images, not information. So you want to find the precise details that embed the character in your reader's mind so that they can't have a neutral reaction. So the more you can activate the reader's senses, the more captivating and memorable the character. You want to avoid the generic. You don't want to give us what we'd expect. The purpose of story is to give the reader something new to challenge the status quo. So if you're describing someone on the subway car, what can you reach for that makes this character unforgettable, that makes this character distinct, that makes this character who they are? So here's an example from Robin Hemley's story, Installations, and this is told from the point of view of a Chicago L-train conductor. At rush hour, a guy wearing polyester pants with a pattern that looks like chain mail steps into my car. A frilly straw hat covers his head, but I notice him because he's plastered with kooky buttons all over his chest like some Soviet field marshal. The buttons have sayings on them. Are we having fun yet? Instant asshole, just add alcohol. Wake me up, I'm a lot of fun. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Dane Bramaged. Hallucination now in progress. Please stand by. Ask me if I care. I'm the person your mother warned you about and born again pagan. A little guy with half yellow and half black hair accompanies the button man. An army poncho hangs from his shoulder and a cigarette sits behind his ear. He looks faithful but bored like the bodyguard of a low-level dignitary and carries a book with a strange title, Utopia TV Store. Okay, so look at these details. He's not just wearing pants, they're polyester pants, and they have a pattern that looks like chainmail. There's the frilly straw hat, and then there's the kooky buttons, and all those unusual names that really identify this who this character is. And then the guy with him, his companion, 
has half yellow and half black hair. It's very vivid. He's wearing an army poncho and the cigarette sits behind his ear. And he has a book with him. And it's not just a book. It's got this very particular and strange title. So it's the accumulation of those very specific, precise sensory details that allows us to see these characters. It's very vivid. And the author doesn't judge these characters. He just lets us see them so that we can come to our own conclusions about these people. So readers really want to participate with what's imbued in the details. And number five, inhabit that person, become that person. This is one of the ways we inhabit a character's point of view. In fact, this is the essence of point of view. So it's not what a person does that's interesting. It's why they do it. So back to Uncle Nick, the jewelry thief. We know he steals, but why does he steal? So if we're telling this story from the perspective of the younger narrator, let's say his niece, maybe there's a scene where Uncle Nick goes to a party in the Hamptons in this lavish mansion, and he walks in, and as he's standing at the threshold, he takes in the whole scene. He takes in the marble floors and the grand staircase and the pool beyond the floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the ocean, and he turns to his friend and says, this is why I steal. Or after his eight years in federal prison, he's getting driven home by the niece, And for once, he's in the passenger seat, not the driver's. And the world is different than it was eight years ago. So put yourself in Nick's place here. He hasn't been out in society for eight years. He hasn't been around people, really. The world has changed, and he's in culture shock. So maybe when the narrator comes out of the rest stop restroom, She sees him with his back to the wall as people walk by, and he looks scared and panicked and overstimulated. He's just not used to being on the outside. And then back in the car, he comments about how the faucets in the restroom, you you push them in now, you don't turn them. And when did the tolls go up to $6 to cross the Throgs Neck Bridge? It used to be $2.50. So... If I'm writing this scene, I'm going to do some research to see what's changed in that eight-year span that would throw Uncle Nick off balance or give him a childlike sense of awe. You need to connect your humanity with that person's humanity. This goes for every character, every single character, whether you're basing it on a real person or not. You need to slip into their experience. And this requires imagination. You need to become an actor as much as a writer. So what would this character see, hear, think, remember, smell, or taste in this particular moment in this particular scene? Now, on my site, I have a free character questionnaire that helps you get under the skin of your characters. Now, this is not one of those questionnaires where you list what your character had for breakfast or what his hair color is, whether he came from a rich family or a poor family. It's an actor's technique. It's about getting into the soul of a character. 
This was handed down to me by one of my mentors, Diane Leffer, a fiction writer and playwright, and it comes from playwright, actor, and director Leon Martel. So head over to nancypinuccio.com slash free resources to grab it. I'll link in the show notes. So let's recap. When you're basing characters on real people, number one, imagine your way into what you don't know about this person. Number two, explore the thing you find most intriguing about this person. Make this a free write. Allow associations and memories to flow freely. Number three, make character composites. Mix and match. Number four, use sensory details. We are sensory beings. We respond to the world through our senses, and the reader responds to your story through sensory, concrete images. And number five, inhabit this person. Inhabit this character. Think like an actor. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this episode of Writer Unleashed helps you create characters who are more dimensional, more truthful, and more fascinating. To download your free character questionnaire, visit nancypinuccio.com slash free resources. And if you want to connect with more like-minded writers and with me, join us in our private Facebook group, Writer Unleashed Community. It's totally free to join. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Till then, keep writing, and I'll talk to you soon.